Well, good afternoon. I hope you're as full as I am. <laughs> and when uh, you hear preachers say this is challenging to preach after lunch, it is. Because just like you feel right now and tell the truth, you'd like to lay down and take a nap. <laughs> but we're going to try to not do that for at least a little while. Maybe afterwards everybody can go home and take one. But it's wonderful to be here. I appreciate all the people that have prepared food. It was a wonderful lunch, and especially the fellowship, men with each other. But this evening, I'd like for us to think about, it's great to be a Christian. Sometimes it's presented in the world, well, I don't want to become a Christian, all these things I can't do. Well, that's actually not the way we need to think. Well, when you think about people, what they can't do, well, I can't get out and drink and do all these things. Well, think about the Christian for just a moment. He, he didn't wake up this morning with a hangover. He didn't wake up in jail. He didn't wake up wondering where his car was. He didn't wake up in trouble with his wife because he got drunk and did whatever. So why is that a bad thing not to do? And you can do that with a lot of things. So it is actually great to be a child of God. Anything that God has said don't do is for our benefit. But on the other hand, there are things God does tell us to do. Let's notice, and you're, you're familiar with this event in the book of Acts chapter 8, verses 35 through 39, about the Ethiopian eunuch, beginning in verse 35, it says, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Now, if you back up, what had taken place? He had told him Jesus. And when you teach people Jesus, it doesn't mean just to say, Let Jesus come into my heart. He said, see, here is water. What does hinder me? What stops me? What prevents me from being baptized? So that was obviously taught. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when, he, and when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. But notice this last part. And we want, to, we want to think about this last part. And he went on his way rejoicing. He didn't think that he, well, all these things have been taken away from me. He looked at what he had gained. Salvation. And all the benefits of being a Christian. Now, there's a lot of people that pray but God will only hear the prayers of the saints, of His children. So we have that benefit. And think about that for a moment, that we can actually go before the throne of God and present our petitions to Him and have this communication with Him. What a wonderful blessing that we have because we are a Christian. And think back to the day that you were baptized that you became a christian i can remember that day 
July the 13th, 1986 at 10.45 a.m. I remember that day. My feet were shaking. I was a little bit nervous. But I became a Christian that day and I have never regretted that. It's one of the greatest blessings, actually the greatest blessing that we can ever have is by being a child of God. Now notice also in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, and they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. They, they suffered because of being a Christian. They didn't come out and complain about it. They, not, 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 they, didn't, they weren't happy that they had suffered. That's, that's not what they're saying. But they were thankful that the reason that they did suffer was because they were a Christian. Remember, Paul said, said, Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And so we have these things in our lives. But they were thankful. They rejoiced. We're children of God. Even if they take our lives, and the apostles dealt with uh, this, even if they take our lives, we win the victory. That's still true today. It's no less uh, uh, true today, uh, untrue today. It's still true. It's still true that even if we lose our lives serving God, and it's still that way in some countries now, uh, in some countries, being uh, a Christian is not the most popular thing to do, especially in some Muslim countries. They, they're not too happy with that idea. But also, Philippians 4.4, 4, Paul, now, this has always impressed me greatly that he could write this from prison. What would we write if we were in prison and we were writing to a family member or maybe uh, even to the church and tell them, telling them the conditions that we're in. But let's see what Paul wrote. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He was thankful even when he suffered. It didn't mean that the suffering was not there. It was real. Very real. But he was still thankful. He still rejoiced. He still counted it a blessing because he was a child of God. Now, let's look at some reasons today besides what we have mentioned just in the introduction of this, but some reasons we have to rejoice. Number one, because God loves me and wants me to be saved. God wants me to be saved. God, before this world existed, had a plan for us. Now, if it had just been one person, you or me, it would still have been the same plan. God loves us that much. It's hard for me to comprehend with my grandchild saying, well, I'll give my grandchild to get some uh, murderer out of prison. I, I don't know that I could make that deal. But God sent His only begotten Son, Jesus, in order for us to have this salvation that we have. And Jesus was willing to come. So there's two parts there. We notice in Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge, a very present help in trouble. Now, when Katrina hit, and I could do this with Hurricane Ida and 
uh, various other things, and you could too with the other storms that have hit. Uh, you know, Hawaii's going through what, what they're going through. Well, you will see a lot of people, well, let's pray to God. Now, that's a good sentiment to have. Let's pray to God. But the only thing is, as soon as they got the benefits, people helped them, they weren't so interested in God anymore. They got what was uh, good for them. Well, I don't need God anymore. So they really didn't want God to start with. They just wanted the benefits. But in John 3.16, as we noticed earlier in the other sermon or, or Bible class, for God so loved the world. Not, not this earth, not this round ball, but the people God so loved this world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's no greater love than that. There's no greater love that, uh, that man has ever known or ever will know. The greatest event that has ever taken place was when Christ died on that cross and three days later He was resurrected. Salvation was gained. Satan did not win. Jesus Christ won. Satan, he may have thought he won the battle, but far from it, our Lord won the battle. In Matthew 1 verse 21 it says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So you see that plan. It's in place. It's taking place now. Romans 8, verses 31 and 32, Paul writes, what shall, what shall we then say to these things? Notice this. If God be for us, this is us now. If you're a Christian, this is you. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spareth not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If He gave us His Son, you don't think He'll take care of us in this life? He'll, he'll bless us. Now, backing up just a little bit, who can be against us? Well, there's people that are against the Christians, uh, that are against Christians. Satan is. But if we're faithful to God, we know that we will win. God will take care of us. But if He has provided all the blessings that He has, he will continue to provide in the future the blessings that we need. Number two, the reason it's great to be a Christian. Because Christ died to save me from sin. Now we talked more about God and what He has done, but Jesus was willing to come. He was willing to come to this world and you go back to the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. He knew what was before him. But he said, Thou will be done. And there was no other way. We couldn't be saved any other way. And so he died on that cross. Salvation had been brought down to mankind. In John 5, uh, 15, verses, verse 13, it says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Well, let's think about something for a minute. I'm sure that, you know, if a friend was in trouble, we would try to help. I, I have no doubt about that. 
But you think about us, we were actually enemies of Christ, uh, and He laid down His life. And we were, we're going to actually live in the life that we were supposed to live. You know, before we were Christians, we were lost living in the world, living contrary to God's will. So He died for even people that were His enemies. You know, you read it there in Acts where the, the apostles preached to those that had gathered there together. And there were some that had yelled, crucify Him, crucify Him. They were in the audience, but now they hear about this Jesus. This same Jesus whom you have crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. They now understand what has taken place. Men and brethren, what shall we do? So they, they see what took place. And now, because Christ was willing to sacrifice, <clears throat> because He loved us that much, we have the joys of being a Christian. And that day about 3,000 obeyed the gospel. They repented and were baptized. You know what it says in that chapter? Those that gladly received His Word were baptized. Did you ever take notice of the word gladly? They, they were happy. Here's how I'm going to be saved from my sins. This is the, this is the way. So they, they were happy about that. They, it says gladly. Sometimes we do things in life it's not always gladly. I bet sometimes Monday morning rolls around you don't get out of the bed gladly. <laughs> Not ready to go back to work. We don't always do things gladly. But those that gladly received the Word of God, they were baptized. They obeyed God. In Hebrews 9.22 it says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. If Jesus hadn't shed that blood, man couldn't be saved. It, you can try to devise a plan. It won't work. There's only one. <clears throat> only one plan, and that is the man, Jesus Christ, and His blood that washes us. And brethren, think right now. If we are still walking in the light, His blood is still washing away our sins. What a blessing. Why? Because we're Christians. Because we have that benefit of being a child of God. Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the filling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin, the things that we face, the everyday things of life, and he faced much more, but he faced all those things too. On that day of judgment, we'll never be able to say, Jesus, you don't know what it was like being down here. He, he does. If he wanted to, he could say, you don't know what it's like to go to the cross. Because we didn't. But he did. Because of the wonderful love. Number three, because Jesus Christ is my high priest. That's one reason it's great to be a Christian. In the Old Testament, under the law of Moses, they had the high priest. But he was limited as to what he could do. But 
our high priest. Today, Jesus Christ, our high priest, is not limited by the things that He can do. Notice in 1 John 2 verse 1, my little children, and notice John the Apostle, and that now he's called the Apostle of Love. You know what him and uh, his brother James were called earlier, don't you? Sons of Thunder. Something changed in John, didn't it? Uh, he seems to have grown, mellowed out. Uh, you see how he addresses them. He's writing to them encouragement, his love. He, he cares for them. My little children, these things write unto to you that ye sin not. Now, there's a problem though, John. We still have moments when we do sin. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So, yes, we still, not, not because we want to live a life of sin, but we still fall short. But we have an advocate, somebody pleading our case. So, we still have the ability, even though we have been uh, baptized, not go back and be baptized again. But that blood washes away our sins as we walk in the light. We have that advocate. Think of uh, somebody gets in trouble, especially somebody famous that has a lot of money. What do they do? They hire the best attorney they possibly can. And sometimes, probably too many times, they get off with things they, they did. Uh, you probably could name some. But we have somebody far better than anybody that's ever been in any courtroom. Jesus Christ pleads our case. There's not a better uh, attorney around anywhere. Never has been, never will be. Oh, he's, he's the one that pleads my case because he loves me. He can plead my case in a way nobody else can. What a wonderful blessing it is to be a child of God. What a wonderful blessing it is to be a Christian. In Hebrews 2, verse 17, it says, Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. You mean he's dying on the cross because of sins? Well, what did he do? He must have done something really bad that they put him on a cross. Not one single sin. He never committed the first one. It was our sins that put him there. That, that is love. That is tremendous love. We talked about the love of the Father. We see the love of the Son as, as well. Yes, it's great, to be a, it's great to be a Christian, somebody that cares that much about me, that they died for my sins, the ones that I committed. Sometimes in our life, things we, we did, we, we wish we never had done. But you can have it as though it never was done. It can, those sins can be forgiven. Now, man sometimes doesn't forgive like, like, like that, but God, once that blood washes away our sins, He forgets as though it never happened. No, He knows it still happened, but He doesn't hold it against us like some 
People would. That's a tremendous difference. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me, unto the Father, but by me. Do you want to go to the Father? I do. I, I want to go to the Father. Uh, again, as we discussed some in Bible class, it's hard to imagine what it will be like to be in His presence. Uh, it's, that's, that is beyond what we can comprehend. Uh, man's mind can, just can't do it. But think about this, brethren. It's going to be a reality. It's going to be a reality. It's going to happen. It, it's, it's coming. Because Jesus died. He is our high priest. And like in the Old Testament, they had to continually offer sacrifices. Jesus died once. Just one time. That's all that it took. Now, number four. Why, why is it great to be a Christian? Because of the purpose and meaning of life. Oh, that, that makes a tremendous difference. I don't know if you've ever had any discussions with people, but there's a lot of people, may even surprise you sometimes, that wonder what their purpose in life is. Why am I here? Where am I going? I mean, I'm here, but for what reason? And people that are out in the world living as they are now, in, in reality, they don't have a purpose in living that way, do they? I mean, they're going to... You better enjoy what you've got now because if you continue in that, that's all you're going to have. You're going to live it up now and then it's not going to be so good on the other side. But it's different for the child of God. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, we find out the purpose of our life. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments for this is the whole duty of man. Oh, who wrote that is very important. Solomon. Now why is that important? The life that he lived. Not that it was all good either. He, he, he had more money. Uh, he, he had, uh, I, I looked it up, what it would be in modern time. Now how accurate the count was. But it was in the trillions. You know you see sometimes billion, billionaires. And so, somebody's got so many billions. You take all the richest men uh, in the world, the Bill Gates, uh, Elon Musk, and all these guys, add them all together, they don't come close to what Solomon had. Mm. It's not even in the same ballpark. Solomon had all that. So since I have all this, I can pretty much do anything that I want. I'm the king. And he pretty much tried everything too, didn't he? Right. It didn't all work out so well. Married strange wives. Uh, you know, he even married wives just to make allegiance with other countries on different occasions. That wasn't God's commandment. That was not what God wanted him to do. And you, when you start reading the entirety of Ecclesiastes, he says, all's vanity. It, it's, it was all a waste. Now, does that remind you of what you see, how people are living today? It's all vanity. It's all a waste. Well, what is our purpose? And the next time you're talking with somebody, and also for us, show them their purpose. Fear God and keep His commandments. That is our purpose. 
So we, we have a reason to get up every day. Some people, and this is a sad reality, they, they get up each day and, you know, why? why? Why continue? What's the purpose? Isn't that a large part of suicides? I know there's other reasons, but people don't see the point of continuing to go on. Jesus is the reason to, uh, to continue to go on. There is a reason. See, there, there's still a reason in life to continue to live even when things are difficult. But we have a reason to live. That should make us live differently than the world. Oh, the, the people that uh, sometimes you may see, well, man, they, they don't live a godly life and it seems like they do better than I do and most people. You may not want all the headaches that go with it. A lot of their toys they probably can't even pay for. They're probably having problems in their home because of the way that they're living. You may not want what they have. Be careful what you wish for. Be glad that you're a Christian. It is, it is a blessing to live as a child of God. And we also notice in John 6, verse 38, Jesus said, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him that sent me. That should be our purpose. We have that purpose, to do the will of God. So we became Christians. What did Jesus say? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We, we got a purpose. We got something we're supposed to be doing. Now, everybody can't go to every country, but we can have people to go. So we all work together in this thing. And then we see in John 17, verse 4, Jesus said, I have glorified thee on earth. Notice, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. He did everything that God wanted him to do. He didn't leave anything undone. The work that he, God sent him to do was finished. Number five, why is it great to be a Christian? Uh, well, you're sitting here today helps me with this point because of fellowship with other Christians. What do we call these a lot of times? We call it potlucks, but a lot of times it's called what a fellowship meal. Is it? And the, you know, the food's great, but the fellowship should be great too, shouldn't it? Now it's great that you can sit in fellowship and eat at the same time. I like that idea. That's, that's a pretty good idea. But the fellowship that we have with one another. We have people, if something happens, we can get on the phone and call them. I, I need help. And even if they can't do it themselves, they can go into action and we can, we can help one another with these things in life. That's the way it is with the child of God. Now, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 26, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, he said, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. See, one suffers, we all suffer. You know, I, I don't even know the family that was mentioned this morning with a child that has uh, terminal cancer. That can't help but bother you. That hurts. So we suffer, but we rejoice. 
Can you think when you see somebody is baptized and everybody goes up and gives them a hug and they're so happy? We suffer with those that suffer. We rejoice with those that rejoice. Philippians 1 verse 27. Stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving for the faith of the gospel. One spirit. Let us all work together. God doesn't want us to be divided. He wants unity based upon the Word of God. And God didn't tell us to do something that was impossible. God's never told us to go, go do something but that, we, that we couldn't really do it. We're able to do what God set forth to do. And then we also see in Psalms, Psalm 133, the first verse, this is a beautiful passage. Psalm 133, verse 1. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. What a, what a wonderful thing. When a congregation, and brethren, listen to this, it does not matter how big a congregation is, if you have unity and you have the truth, you have a reason to rejoice that you're a Christian. God didn't say you had to have a, the biggest congregation in the brotherhood to, to do good, to be faithful. You serve God wherever you are. It, some people in some countries, they, they face you know, things that are very difficult, but they still serve God. What a blessing. And number six, the last one that, uh, well, sorry folks, there's going to be one more after this one. So uh, they were, you know, with their shoes getting ready to get up. <laughs> but number six, because of the peace it brings. The peace it brings by being a Christian. Now, somebody told my wife, uh, it's actually a Christian that I had known all my life because he's older than me, but when she is baptized, he said, oh, you're going to sleep the best sleep that you ever slept. Well, you could actually have a deathly sickness that night and still die. Still be a child of God. Still go to heaven when the Lord comes. But what does it mean? We can have the peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't matter what happens in life. When those tragedies come, even when we're shedding those tears, and we've all been in those situations in life, it hurts, but it's still so good that we have the peace that it brings. In the book of Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, And having made peace through the blood of His cross. In Matthew 6, verse 34, notice, I refer to Matthew 6, 33 today, uh, seek the kingdom of God in His righteousness, though this should be added unto you. But look at verse 34. Take, take therefore no thought for tomorrow. Now that doesn't mean you don't make plans, things you need to do. We do that. We need to do that. You don't have to worry that you're not going to be taken care of. God will take care of us. Oh, we, we have surgeries. I see some with canes. Uh, I'm tired of having surgeries. So I had a preacher elder friend that said, he said, some people go play golf for a hobby. He said, he said some people go fish for a hobby. He said, Marcos has surgeries for a hobby. He said, you know, he could have, have so many. We, we have those difficulties. But God's going to be there for us and with us. Take no thought for tomorrow. 
There may be some pain or whatever it may come. But don't think God's left us. He never has. Never will. And then we read in the book of Philippians, this is one of my favorite passages. Philippians 4, verses 4-7. through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be, uh, be known unto all men. Notice, the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, qualification, let your requests be made known unto God. And then notice the rest. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He's going to keep us. He's going to preserve us. You know, when you think back to when you were just a boy or girl, and usually it would be the mother they would we would run to most often, but you you hurt yourself a little bit. What did you do? Run to mama. Why? She'll mama take care of it. Mama's gonna uh, hug me and tell me it's gonna be okay. And pretty soon back out there going again. Well, in a sense, that's what we do with God. We we hurt. Uh, we run to God. He'll be there for us. And we're going to have that peace. You don't have to worry about that. God's got us covered. God's got us covered with this. Now, the last one. Number seven. We can have a rejoice as a Christian because of the assurance of heaven. Brethren, that, that is a blessing. The assurance of heaven. We can know that we're going and when is it going to be? I don't know that. Could, could be soon. Could be a long time. We don't, we don't know the date. But I do know the Lord's coming. And I do know when He comes in the clouds, we shall meet Him there. In the book of 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19, it says, Life is, uh, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But we don't just have hope in this life only. We have hope beyond this life, don't we? Not just this life. Not just this life. We have hope way, way beyond that. We have hope that will last into eternity. Death is something that we look at. And since we've never been through that door be before, I think we all have some kind of fear or uh, uncertainty about it because we, you know, it's something that's never happened. But when you truly think about it and read of the promises of God, you don't have to fear it. Remember uh, when Lazarus was carried to the, uh, the bosom of Abraham by the angels? Well, there's a day coming for us too. God will, God will send the angels for us when the time is right. And we can, we can go to paradise. When the time is right, that trumpet will sound. Assurance. We have the assurance of heaven. In the book of John, chapter 14, verses 2 and 3, and this is also an encouraging passage. In my Father's house are many mansions. 
If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. There's the assurance, isn't it? There's the guarantee. He's coming back for us. What? Jesus is doing something now. He's preparing a place for us. And when God says, this is the time, He's coming back. Jesus will come back. And then in 1 John 5, verse 13, we see, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That's us, isn't it? We believe on the name of the Son of God. Notice that ye may know that you have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Brethren, it is truly great to be a Christian. We have reasons. The Bible gives us that it shows us how great it is to be a child of God. Is there an invitation song? Yes, there is. 605. 605. If there's anybody here, I don't know everybody's... Uh, situation but if there's somebody that needs to be baptized we can certainly help with that if there's somebody that needs to ask for prayers we'd certainly be glad to help with that as well as we stand as we see